0: You're
1: listening to the Community Pulse Podcast. Welcome your hosts, Mary Thangvall, Jason Hand, PJ Haggerty, and Wesley Faulkner. Hi, everybody, and welcome to our last Community Pulse episode of 2022. I know for me, I'm having a hard time believing that we're already here um, but per usual, we want to take the time to walk through some of the trends that we've seen this year, uh, some of the the episodes that we've had and how that's played into some conversations in the DevRel industry, uh, and then make a couple predictions about what 2023 might have in store for us. Uh, so let's kick things off with, with some of the trends that we've seen throughout this year. Wesley, what was one of the trends that you saw?
2: So a previous episode, we had uh, Carolyn um, on to talk about the DevRel survey. And one of the things, and I was luckily uh, lucky to be on that planning committee. And one of the things I was teased out about how new some DevRel programs are and how many people are entering DevRel. Um, so I think one of the biggest statistics was like about 50% of people in DevRel have been doing it for under two years. Um, and so that's my trend that I saw this year is that so many more people, so many gr- brand new programs, it's almost like an explosion uh, of DevRel and people entering it and switching from engineering.
0: Yeah. yeah and I, to, to, to kind of add on to what you're saying, Wesley, I think beyond that, like, I think that those of us who are in DevRel have seen like a real expansion of our responsibilities. Like it's not straightforward that oh i get hired as as you know a, a devrel i hate saying the term as devrel a devrel practitioner i get hired as devrel practitioner developer advocate whatever um and it used to mean like okay so i'm going to speak at x number of conferences i'm going to do x number of blog posts pretty straightforward but what we do is so far expanded into developer experience and you know even mm-hmm. developer marketing we had a good episode about you know the difference between those things and it was really great to see, like I think, us expanding into something that is a more expansive role than simply, oh, that person that gets up on stage and says some things.
2: And strategy, too. Strategy game planning oh, absolutely. And, absolutely. and management,
0: leadership, all that stuff, yeah. And that's, uh, I, yeah. I
2: love to it being very robust and full-featured of a, a department that people are thinking about when they think about DevRel.
0: Right, and that's part of the interesting expansion is really the, the the idea that it used to be like, you know, you were often, and I believe we had an episode on this this year, too, the single DevRel person at an organization. And now it's like, no, we have, you know, people who are heads of DevRel or directors of DevRel. And there's a stratification and a specification, sometimes a siloing, which may not always be so great, in in and under those umbrellas. So people can actually really branch out and find where their place in DevRel is and where their value is to the teams that are being built.
1: Absolutely. And I think we've seen a lot of that change throughout this year and changed throughout the pandemic and this year feels like the first year that people are kind of going oh okay this is this is now what we're doing right um yeah and i know that you've talked a lot about you know your job has changed your team and and who you work with as an audience has changed uh responsibilities have changed you want to talk a little bit about that
3: yeah. Yeah. Uh, can you hear me? Okay. I feel like I'm having a little technical difficulties on my end. Yeah. Great. So uh, yeah, two the two big things I wanted to make sure we, we talked about, or I had a chance to talk about today are, are exactly what you're just talking about. How my, my day to day has changed, you know, over the course of the last year, which was also different from the year before that. And the year before that, the pandemic, I think has really mixed things up for a lot of us on just how we go about our work and and what our day-to-day looks like and big part of it for me these days is focusing on short form content um, which i think has really started to take off i mean we've had guests on the show for sure talking about short form content Um, it's still kind of a wild west Uh, there's still you know a lot of arguments and, and debate on best practices and how to be successful and what's the best. Use case for these things. But, it, you know, it's also kind of fun to explore with with new ways to, to you know, help uh, our audience and connect them with resources and teach them some stuff. So uh, I, I just think short form in general has been something that has really um, started to, to get some traction um, here recently for us. And then the other thing, too, that I, uh, I was just talking to where all of us were just talking to Wesley about before the, the show is, you know, about staying healthy while we're traveling and, and going mm-hmm. to conferences. You know, PJ's still <clears throat> out on the road right now. And I worry about all of you. You know, like there's a lot of people out there. Um, I see on what's left of Twitter uh, people saying, you know, be careful. I'm sick. Uh, everybody I know around me is sick. It's not just the conferences. You know, it's just this, that, that time of year where, where things get passed around pretty easy.
0: Right. So, and and um, it's, it's yeah. interesting you mentioned that, Jay, because I mean, coming out of COVID, this is something we're all concerned about, but there's also the factor of things that aren't COVID, like the flu and cold season and things like that, that, you know, we we forgot to take into consideration as we moved back into in-person events and in-person activities. Um, so, I mean, I, I've I've At first, I was a bit shocked, but then less shocked that like as the year wound on, there are more and more conferences where it was like, oh, we've lost, you know, 10%, 20% of our speakers because we just don't, like there's illness going on, whatever that illness is, not necessarily COVID, um, but having to deal with that because it's a very strange new world that we live in.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the things for me that I've appreciated about, uh, I think the ramifications of of COVID, as far as how we interact with people and what we do is that you know if i'm not feeling well regardless of if it's COVID or not i don't attend an event anymore and everybody to a t is like oh yeah totally understand no problem like that's what we do now and so it's been yeah remember that
0: remember that disappointment that people had when you'd be like oh i'm not going to be able to make it and you'd feel guilty Right, and they'd be like, "Oh," and it just, like a whole cacophony of like, a, like just a conglomeration of, "Oh, everybody's so sad now," for whatever reason. And now it's just like, can't make it. Fine, no problem. Don't worry. Exactly,
1: about it. exactly. And I mean, even just going back in in some of the, you know, years past when I've attended events, and it's like, oh, I'm not feeling great, but like I have to be here, so I'm gonna be there because you know it's what I signed up to do. And so I think some of that obligation has has changed because people are recognizing like, cool, you don't feel well, please don't come. <laughs> right. Please don't be lay down, here. take
2: care of yourself. We'll, we'll
0: exactly. Be we'll
1: and also like, don't get the rest of us sick, please. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, none of us wants no. to go back to that.
1: Exactly. So I, I think I appreciate that. And even with the, you know, in person events starting up more consistently, again, I'm seeing companies I'm seeing my company and other companies as well, be very cautious about how we're approaching those in-person events, not only with COVID and illness and everything else and, and more flexibility with, you know, Hey, if you're not feeling well, if you're not comfortable, whatever it is, like, that's okay. You don't have to go, but also with how we're approaching budgets, right? Like, does it, actually makes sense for us to go to this conference? Does it actually make sense for us to participate? Where is our, our time and money and energy best spent? Which I think is a good thing for us to be considering. And I think now that things are, you know, getting back to quote unquote normal, whatever that means, you know, having those conversations about like, okay, hang on, things have been really different the past few years. Do we just go back to the way things were or do we actually take a minute to, to step back and see whether that still makes sense?
0: And, and I think that uh, I think that part of that is also the, the kind of logistical side of it is, you know, we, we, we were hoping that everything would, of course, just like, you know, snap back to normal and we'd be good to go. But, you know, there's other industries that affect the things that we do. For example, the airline industry, you know, how many people missed conferences because they just couldn't get to where they were going? Or, you know, couldn't get back home. And, and you're talking about their loss of work because someone is stuck in Munich for a night that they didn't expect. Um, so, I mean, there's all kinds of things outside of our day-to-day stuff that we have no control over that also had an effect on our ability to to perform the job the way that we saw it pre-COVID. Um, I know that especially at the beginning of the year, that was a huge issue.
1: Yeah. What, what other ways have we seen day-to-day work change or the responsibilities that we have as DevRel practitioners change
2: i have one I, thing I, that I, I that i don't know I if it's it. going to be a thing or not or it's it, it, the twitter exodus at least that's for me anyway i'm using twitter less and i feel in terms of like you know the pandemic was almost like a sea change i think that to me, to me feels like a big uh change um where um, I, I know we've, we've talked previously about micro communities like Discord or Slack communities and how those are um, becoming more uh, places that where people gather. Um, but uh, I'm wondering if that'll help with those type of communities or will it, it? Twitter just kind of like, just lose its first place status and still just kind of just linger? Um, I'm I'm on Mastodon, of course, um, but I I just don't feel right with contributing any more free content or forcing people to go to Twitter to find my content. And so I'm I'm curious about, like, if this is going to be a trend where people are just going to find a place where they feel comfortable, because I know I don't I don't feel comfortable on Twitter anymore. And that's definitely going to change my workflow and how I, I, I talk about the work that I do.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And one one real quick thing to add just about Twitter in general and your your statement about not feeling comfortable adding that that free content, creating that free content. It's been interesting to me as I'm putting together the Deborah weekly newsletter that these past couple of weeks, and I it could be, you know, it's end of year and this is the way that always happens and things like that, but the amount of content that I'm able to find. And the amount of content that's being talked about, in my opinion at least, is drastically less than it has been. Like, I don't normally stop putting out the newsletter until like the week of Christmas, the week of New Year's. And I skipped the newsletter this past week because I had six links total. <laughs> so like I do wonder if if people are starting to not only share things elsewhere. And I need to figure out where their spots are, but also just producing less content, period, because they're not sure how it's going to be received or where to publicize it or any of those things.
0: Right, and I think that I think that I agree that Twitter Twitter plays a major part of that. But I also think that the problem that we have, and I had a people have probably seen you know if you're following me on Twitter and you're still active there, a big conversation uh, with a couple of other people, including Brian Lyles, who points out that there is no alternative yet. Um, There is no, there's nothing filling that void. Um, A lot of people have left Twitter. And and I know, Wesley, you mentioned Mastodon. But I also think that um, the issue with that is, A, you're not going to find anyone who's not technical using Mastodon. And B, there is a lot of, it's basically a tech folk wasteland, which is not Twitter kind of gave you a broader audience. Like, and I've tried a few other things. I've tried the Hive, which I don't. Here's a first recommendation, folks. That ain't fixed. Please, if you're going to ship software, finish it first. That kind of stuff works in video games. It does not work in software. Anyway, that aside. Um, you know, I think that Twitter Twitter will, you know, Wesley, like you said, it'll, it'll kind of limp along. It'll linger on until someone creates something that capably replaces it. It can't just be a substitute. And Mastodon to me is, is kind of a substitute. It's, it's kind of a Facebook, tw- Twitter melange. It's not a true substitute for what Twitter was, which is at its heart, arguments accepted, a microblogging site where you could say, hey, I have this content I'd like to share with you. And this idea that I'd like to break down in a thread. That kind of thing. We don't have anything like that yet. And Jason, I know you have some thoughts on this as well
3: yeah um, the the whole Twitter thing it's not just for me about the exodus you know of like a lot of the people I, I've come to respect and, and trust their you know the, the things that they share you know there's just the community in general the multiple communities that overlap I miss gonna miss all that in fact I mean our our relationships have been primarily through you know social media for a big chunk of the time we've known known each other you know I think I can count on one hand how many times I've seen BJ and Mary in person I still haven't seen Wesley um, So, anyway, Twitter, uh, this whole thing has been really hard for me because I wrote the platform off as a place to really share anything a long time ago because I just don't, it's not where I go for that kind of stuff. And I can tell a lot of people that I care and care about on Twitter that's not what they're there for either. Um, And I don't see any real results or impact from sharing a lot of stuff on Twitter either. So, you know, it's just kind of what it is. But it, it was still a place where I went to like, hear what my friends are talking about and what's going on in other parts of the world and, and that kind of thing. And I guess you can still do that, but I'm really experiencing like a sense of mourning about the whole thing because it, it is, it's just splintered every, you know, every one of my groups of people that I I've come to know online that I don't get to see in person anymore. Um, and it worries me that, you know, it's just sort of natural to drift for relationships to just drift apart and things like that. When you don't have that, um, that like place for you to meet and, 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 um, and that's going away, or at least it's changing. And the fact that so many people, I, I, uh, you know, really value the, the, the things that they share, aren't going to do it there anymore, makes it in invo- value. you know, it's no longer value to me, valuable to me anymore. Cause that's what I was, I was mostly read only for the, for the past while on Twitter. So yeah, I don't know. I got a lot of mixed feelings about Twitter, um, both professionally and personally. Um, definitely feels like I lost, lost the best friend.
0: That's that's part of the problem, right, Jay? It's 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 it was this personal slash professional place to be, and th- like that's such a weird weird Venn diagram when it comes to the things that we do. I mean, I. I think a lot of people who listen to this podcast know I was recently at DevRelCon and a lot of a lot of what what was talked about was that intersectionality of we do things that are personal we put we build relationships I mean that's the second part of the the phrase developer relations we build relationships and how do you do that online now what do you do when when one part of you know when they take half of your one leg away and you, how are you supposed to still run um and that's kind of like the interesting idea of there's so many things that we do that are intertwined. And that comes also with the the, the changing responsibilities, the ever-evolving way that DevRel is done. And you know, when you kind of get sideswiped like that, it's super difficult to, to stand back up and say, all right, I know what we're going to do and move on.
2: Uh, yeah, I agree. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm leaning also, not just on Mastodon, but on LinkedIn and stuff like that, the other places where I'm connected. But those are not as mutual connecting as... Uh, They're not that. as universal, uh, right? And I can't just say, "Hey, here's my Mastodon," and people know what I'm talking about, know where to find it, know find me, know where it works, um, how it works, or or like how to find past posts or pictures and all that stuff. There's not a wealth of information there. But um, but but the thing is, I don't want to be in a place that supports Nazis. I mean, and it's almost blatant at this point. Um, and sure. I just can't. I just don't and i understand there's not a critical mass but there'll never be a critical mass as long as people keep seeing or finding me there and so i just mm-hmm. i just um don't want to contribute to that personally from a like icky standpoint that makes me feel bad just to just to right. post anything there
0: I, yeah. I, I agree. And I, I mean, there's similar things with other platforms. Like I, I had a, a client at DevRelate who was like, we would very much like you to be on Telegram. And I was like, I, I can't do that. There's no way I'm going to do that. Cause I mean, you talked about, there'll never be a critical mass on, on Twitter of, of Nazis, but Telegram, it might be there. They, they might actually be the majority. Um, and I mean, there's other, you have to worry about, you know, when you post technical content to Reddit, like you're still contributing to Reddit, which has a seriously toxic community with, on, in a lot of spaces. Um, it's it's almost as if there, there's no not to say there's no safe place to go but like why are these things just continually getting worse mm. um and i i don't have the answer to that question um but it's definitely something that we have to we we as an industry have to analyze we have to find our place um and we just don't i'm I'm not saying don't abandon twitter by all means abandon ship all you who enter um but don't abandon hope
1: right well, and I think that's that's one of the key things, right? Is where where are we going next, right? I've seen live streaming really pick up this last year with a variety of devrel teams. I've seen uh, more, you know, examples and tutorials and things on on GitHub. But like, where where are people going? And I know that's something I would love to hear. <laughs> I know that's something that that all of us are interested in. Um, I think live stream is is helping kind of keep that relationship side of things going. Um, there's a lot of people where you know, hey, I stream Fridays at noon or whatever it is, and so they know they can count on that consistent a community to show up, or at least a semi-consistent community to show up. Um, Something that my team has been experimenting with a little bit and trying to figure out, you know, what makes sense, what doesn't make sense. And I've seen a lot of other people doing that as well. Um, But I think this kind of leads us into our predictions segment of this episode a little bit Um, as we're starting to talk through, like, what's what's coming next? Where are people going to be going? Um... And I know we we would be remiss if we didn't mention uh, one last trend with all of the layoffs in tech. Um, we've obviously seen that increase toward the end of this year with the the economic downturn. Um, we're seeing you know companies lay off 15 20 25 percent of their staff which is terrifying and and really really, uh difficult for a lot of people in tech I know um and I think one of the one of the things that I'm hopeful for I guess and also um I'm starting to see a little bit with the the current uh set of layoffs but I'm I'm definitely hopeful for in 2023 is that for several teams that are, well-established at companies that truly understand the the value of community and the purpose that community plays in their company strategy and their company vision. Um, and if you have those, those good solid relationships with stakeholders at the, at the company and all of those things, my instinct is that they'll ride through the, the economic downturn okay that though you know not to say there won't be layoffs of those companies not to say that those teams won't be affected at all um but my instinct is for for teams that are able to show that value clearly even if it's not you know here's the the amount that we're contributing back to x y and z but if you if you have that clear value that you're showing as a team it's uh in my opinion and my hope is that it's less likely that that those teams will be impacted Um, which hopefully is also encouraging for those of you who maybe are, are wondering if you have that established, um, to, to work toward establishing some of that early this next year. Uh, Wesley, what's your prediction for
2: 2023? Um, I, I think it's kind of like related to the layoffs or restructuring, um, is that there, even if we aren't going, or even if we do go to a downturn, we're definitely moving into a tightening where companies are trying to be lean. Um, And sometimes uh, I think uh, when we're talking about the layoffs that you mentioned, I think some companies have maybe overly lean uh, to the point where they may lose lose some of their competitive advantage. They may not be able to do all the things that they were going to do. Um, and, uh, those are all bets, right? When with the, with the smaller resources, you have to choose where you're going to put, uh, your focus. And, uh, some of those bets won't pay off. Um, some of them will. And I think with those types of companies, um, I expect to see more consolidation. So places where, um, they will really lean into their value prop and they can find more complementary. um, Company partners, uh, who, uh, when they merge and bond, uh, can actually uh, add to each essence to make a bigger, stronger company. And um, and with a lot of the 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 talent that's out there, and I think that there's going to be synergies where that can be. Uh, um, finding people to make sure that stuff like that happens or unique perspectives to make sure that the merger is uh, the synergies between the two companies and, and can help these companies along. So that's that I see that both on a, a in, in relation to DevRel, not just um, from a company consolidation where companies are gonna be joining forces, but also from a tools perspective, Uh, you mentioned live streaming before, maybe we we have a lot of options, maybe we'll see some consolidation there. We have a lot of options over in reporting and analytics uh, like common room and orbit and so on and so forth. Maybe there's gonna be a consolidation there. Um, So I see um, where there is a, a possibility where people can feel like they can merge together so they can see the other end, saying that we're going to be stronger together, I think that's going to happen a lot.
3: Jason? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all great stuff. I, I think that the things I want to, um, you know, predictions are always scary because I, I feel like somebody's going to hold me to this if it doesn't work sure. out. Should we um, should
0: we have had a little, a little warning <laughs> before? Like, these predictions are solely our opinion They definitely like, um, not be acted upon at all. Yeah, thought
3: leader in quotes. 100%. Uh, but, you know, the, the easy ones, the safe ones, I, I'd say that I think are, are you're going to see more of um, short form content. I already talked about that. You know, I, I love the stuff. Uh, I know a lot of other people love the stuff. But the fact is, um, you know, all the platforms out there are, are doing something around short form and YouTube shorts is where we're kind of investing some some time and energy. And they are definitely putting a lot of engineering effort into, uh, you know, competing with TikTok and, and you know, just competing in general, I guess you'd say, but I feel like short form uh, and some mixture of, of things where short and long are kind of related to each other. And, and, you know, it's just, it's going to be a, a lot more mixed media, I guess, when it comes to what you see out there. Uh, that's kind of my prediction mostly cause that's things I'm already starting to see. Um, and then the other thing, uh, I, you know, kind of touched a little bit earlier on just the trends is, um, we're starting to see more shit, uh, more, more, in-person events and uh you know travel is kind of all over the place you know everybody's got different policies on travel um but the the virus and the different sicknesses that are going around they don't have a policy they're just out there um and i think it's um i think it's good to just keep that in mind that we're not out of the out of the woods yet and um hybrid events are are still um something i think we have to solve for But I think a lot of people are are still moving in that direction, trying to figure out Mm -hmm. how to how to do these things safely, how to really be inclusive of everybody and all that kind of stuff. And then the last one, um, I'll just be real brief, is this term citizen developer, which I hear more and more, which is really just a, I don't know, a cooler way of saying um, people who are interested in in solving their own problems that maybe they're not, they don't identify as a developer. Um, There's lots of stuff that is out there now for people to actually um, solve their own problems. And I think that's cool and that's neat. And there'll be more of that um so look out for more no code and um y'all if you're not a developer you're you're a citizen developer i think that's that's the only two options um but really they're 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 an overlay you know the venn diagram everybody's a developer these days i think that's kind of the point
1: yeah yeah one really quick note that i wanted to make about hybrid events uh it's been interesting to me i guess it's both a trend and a prediction Um, Interesting to me to see a lot of different companies playing around with that idea of hybrid. And some are coming at it solely as, well, you can be here in person or we'll live stream everything. And that's hybrid, right? There's no nothing special for either side kind of a deal. And other companies that are going out of their way to say, look, people who are attending online we're doing behind the scene interviews or you get special content only for you or you get discussion forums that you can contribute to, but you can also participate in the questions that are being asked by the people who are there in person. And so I think the companies that are doing more to truly actually embrace that hybrid model instead of just the, or here's a live stream, have fun, are, are the ones that are really gonna be successful with that.
3: Absolutely. My my last comment on that is, I think that we've gotten a little excited about going back to in person in some places, and we've started phoning it in for the for the hybrid aspect. You know, we're just like, well, we'll just stream it, and that's not the same. It's just not. Um, So, you know, I think there's people out there and there's teams out there who who recognize that, and they are really trying to build a little bit more of a future of 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 event experiences. You know, that was what we had. Uh, Jennifer Ritzinger on last, uh, the last episode is like, conferences are one way, social media is one way, but man, all those things are way different than they were just a couple of years ago. So what other ways do we reach our, our people?
0: Absolutely. Awesome. Awesome. So I I will go last with my my prediction and it's going to be a little long winded. Everybody stand by, and it's also going to be mildly controversial. Hey, um, that was the teaser. So I think that what we're going to see in the next year, and, and it kind of goes along with what Jason was saying, we're going to see a, a, an evolution in what DevRel is as a role and as an industry. And I think this also plays upon Wesley, what you were saying about tools and and company consolidation. It goes along with what Mary is saying about an economic downturn. I think that what we're going to see is uh, a, a bifurcation where some roles that are are con- currently considered DevRel are going to move more into that marketing or education space. They're gonna be more of a forward facing, but uh customer slash user acquisition role and other activities are gonna be seen more as a community management retention role, uh depending on, you know, the product of the company and things. This is one of the again, one of the big things I was talking to DevRel con last I guess earlier this week. Doesn't matter. When you before you heard this episode, DevrelCon happened. Um, but one of the things that was touched upon heavily was kind of the idea of: Have we get has Devrel gotten far, too far into this thought leadership space? Do we need to pull it back into the technical? And does that mean a bifurcation of the activities that are happening? And that toppled with: What does it mean for these communities that are, for lack of a better term, less than sincere? And I I will say things like the Web three community, the crypto community, where it is clearly about Acquisition, transactional relationships, and not about building communities. What do these things mean for DevRel? And I think that that's part of that evolution that's going to occur. Um, there's going to be people that are focusing on things like software education, of you know potential, you know, and this goes into what Jason said: potential no-code, low-code users. That's going to be more of a software training situation, not a DevRel role. So, what does that mean for for what the industry looks? So, I think I'm, I'm expecting a big change over the course of 2023. This also goes into uh, a big change in the world of contract DevRel, where I felt like in 2022 huge boom. You know, once upon a time it was basically myself, Mary, and Matt Ravel. That those were your choices if you wanted to contract DevRel. Now there's many different options, and many people do, different people doing it. This also gives an opportunity for the, the companies that are consolidating to go and say, hey, we can use this outside service. That's going to change the face of what we do. Um, so that's my overarching prediction is there's going to be an evolution in DevRel over the course of the next year. Where that lands by December 2023, I don't know, um, but I'm definitely interested to see it. And with that, um, you know, as always, oh, oh, there's thoughts, there's thoughts. Of course, there are. I just wanted you to said add it to that it was going to be
1: controversial. People, oh, all, <laughs> all, 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 all the thoughts,
0: all the thoughts. Okay. <laughs>
2: what it's i wanted book, to say yeah, is that the, one at a time. there's definitely a, 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 what you're saying about like the bifurcation i i feel that i feel that because i feel that there's a um, kind of a spirit that's changing too uh, mm-hmm. About DEI and how people or some some groups are like less focusing on DEI, saying oh no, let's we're done with that. Um, and yeah, and why less,
0: why is it why is it that when there's like oh we have to cut some funding, let's get rid of the DEI program? What the yeah, hell is wrong with you?
2: Right, and I think um, when we're looking at Twitter specifically and that management and how they just kind of did a whole bunch of shedding of roles and stuff like that, that attitude of the company changed, and you know what also got left behind open source. And so when when you jettison these, when you have these changes where you're becoming more selfish and only about the money, I'm going to say like what you were mentioning before of those groups that do that, there, all this other stuff gets left behind behind as well. Like mental health, work, work, wellness, and balance and all of that stuff, all of that feels tied together. And so there will be people who are like, I don't care about any of that stuff. I just care about money. And of course, they're going to gravitate to those groups. And then other groups are like, I'm for community. I'm for knowledge sharing. I'm for advancing us as a whole. And I feel that we, uh, I mean, that's the camp that I feel that I'm more of part of. And so I will stay there. And so um, I just want to just add that too, is that the, the bifurcation you're talking about, it feels like a values system and that some value systems go one direction and another will go. So I totally hear you on that one.
3: Uh PJ, I know you've got uh you've got a nice quote to wrap things up with us, I'm I'm assuming here. So but before you always, get to that, always. I just wanna <laughs> something you said in there, I don't know, got me thinking about predictions and and one thing that we just we've run out of time this year because this is kind of a hot topic, but we wanted to do a wrap-up this week.
0: But next
3: time, if we're talking predictions, I think we have to talk about where open AI and, and the chat GPT stuff comes into play. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I've already I've already experimented and it can do a lot of the things that I was grinding on when it comes <laughs> to copyright. Um so, you know, it's just
0: so I feel like AI. we're giving that that's a teaser. That's something to look forward to. Maybe that's the first episode Next year. of 2023.
3: I think we need to talk about it.
0: Absolutely. So to to wrap it all up and and, and as always, and I, I think I say this every year, but like Jason, Wesley, Mary, thank you so much for being a part of the Community pulse for ever inviting me into this like awesome, awesome podcast, this awesome community of people. Um, SJ, if you're listening, we miss you. It, it was we probably should have mentioned this was the year that SJ left us. And and yes, big hearts out to SJ. Absolutely. And for everyone who does listen, like we all we appreciate you so much every year. You really help to drive us to do this podcast year after year, month after month, day after day. Um, we here at the community policy, like we know that 2022 will end and 2023 will begin with a bit of uncertainty. And we hope that everybody stays safe. As you close out the year, and we all hope to be on the positive side of things as we as we move forward in 2023. In the meantime, everybody stay safe, stay healthy, take care of yourselves, take care of your families, and as Eric Idle once said, always look on the bright side of life. From Community Pulse, thank you so much. Happy holidays, happy new year, and we'll see in January. You've been listening. Find out more at communitypulse.io, on Twitter at community pulse, or anywhere you get your favorite podcast. If you've
3: enjoyed this podcast, check out our extra podcast, The After Pulse.
0: Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on